samba really is a force in Rio. You can't avoid it. Uh, you don't want to avoid it. It just, it's intense. Josh Collinet here with Afropop Worldwide from PRI, Public Radio International. That voice we just heard is Fred Mohn, an ethnomusicologist who studies musical life in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. It's a deep cultural trope about the way people even move, the way people behave, uh, the way they dress, and the way they interact socially. The samba is a kind of you know, what you would say in Portuguese, goma, like a glue. Today, Rio is a modern metropolis exploding with contemporary sounds from pop to rock to hip-hop and electronic music. But underneath those sounds, samba is still there, holding it all together. In part one of our Hip Deep in Rio series, we learned about the early years of samba in the 30s and 40s. Today, we take a musical tour of 21st century Rio and find out how samba's legacy can still be heard and felt today. We'll hear how a group of rock and roll kids brought samba back from the brink in the 90s, meet the new generation of samba composers, and chat with samba hip hop pioneer Marcelo Chidoich. But hey, it's not all samba today. We'll also check in on a funky karaoke scene and learn about Rio's crackdown on favela raves. The police have made it very clear that these events are connected to the drug trade, in their opinion, and therefore cannot happen. All that ahead on this special hip deep trip to Rio, Samba Strikes Back. To get us into the mood, here's a song from Lucas Santana, a leading voice in Rio's indie scene. This is Diaji Furar Pondanuma. Seu pai não tem trabalho, sua mãe não tem horário O tempo é um menino, então vamos passear Mater o andar, por entre o arvoredo Vamos buscar equilíbrio ao pedalar Saber por que no mar tem tanta espuma Josué, cadê Joaquim? Dia de furar, da no mar Josué, cadê Joaquim? Dia de furar, da no mar Veja como o sol está tinindo O azul no céu que lindo É uma manhã de domingo Hoje seu pai não tem trabalho Sua mãe não tem horário O tempo é um menino E ele diz que almejar é beijar na boca Reveio é o nome de uma empresa Contemporâneo é alguém sem coração Incidência é um incêndio bem pequeno Diz que nunca será rei Pois vítima sempre será ah, 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 Josué 
from Lucas Santana. I'm Georges Collinet with Samba Strikes Back on Afropop Worldwide. Major support for Afropop Worldwide comes from the New York Council for the Humanities, the National Endowment for the Humanities, and the National Endowment for the Arts. We're going to begin our show today with a little tour of Rio. Rio isn't Brazil's capital, or even its biggest city, but hands down, it is Brazil's most beautiful city. If you've ever seen a picture of it, you know what I mean. Its neighborhoods are built along beaches and lagoons and wrap around dramatic hills that rise out of nowhere. Punctuated by these lumps, these fairly large mountains, which are just rocks, basically. And they're just like these big outgrowths of rock that make for spectacular views. That's our scholar, Fred Moen, again. At the same time, many of those mountains are where the growth of the working-class neighborhoods has occurred in the so-called favelas, right? Neighborhoods climbing up the mountain slopes, so they get beautiful views, but they don't have any city services or very little. The result of this topography is that the very rich and the very poor live side by side in Rio. Here is hip-hop artist Marcelo G. Deutsch. I think Rio is a unique city in the a cidade com uma beleza natural incrível. Rio is a unique place. It's a city with an incredible natural beauty. But it's one of the most violent cities in the world. If you look here, the sea. Look over there, the favela. This wealth and poverty, the contrast makes it a super inspiring city for writing or for making art. Super inspiradora para escrever, para fazer arte, qualquer tipo de arte. Well, it's true. Rio is an easy city to fall in love with. It happened to Fred. I did not really want to research samba because I felt that was kind of what the typical, you know, let's say gringo researcher would do in Rio. But then he spent the night hanging out at the Mangueira Samba School. And in fact, I became enchanted. Um, they had this expression, cair. Samba, to fall into the samba. I didn't go there to research samba, and I sort of fell into it as well. And Fred went on to write a book called Contemporary Carioca. It's about samba and pop music in modern Rio. And by the way, Carioca means a person from Rio. The rhythm is phenomenally versatile. You can slow it down and make bossa. <laughs> Or you can speed it up a lot and kind of mix it with hip-hop. Or, Fred says, in some cases, samba will just be a suggestion in the bass line. It doesn't necessarily have to be explicit. It functions on so many levels, musically and culturally, that I think it's deep in the unconscious. Today, samba finds its way into all kinds of music, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. (laughs) 
In part one of our Hip Deep in Rio series, we left off in the 1950s. Samba had become established as the popular music style in all of Brazil. And by the way, you can stream that show on our website, afropop.org. Friedman is going to take us from there. You had the decade of the radio singers in the 50s, these great sort of bel canto singers who would sing with orchestral arrangements. So the orchestras were getting bigger and bigger and the singing was getting more and more uh, sentimental. So the bossa nova musicians in the late 50s reacted against that most famously João Gilberto, when he basically made bossa nova out of guitar and voice. Você vai implorar, me pedir pra voltar, e eu vou dizer, dessa vez não vai dar. Eu fui gostar de você, dei carinho, amor pra valer, dei tanto amor, mas você queria ser. Then, in the 60s, mixes between samba and international pop appear. The guy who does it first is Georgi Benjou. What he's interesting because what he said was he wasn't able to play samba. He wanted to, but he didn't have the finger technique. And so he ended up strumming his guitar, and that made an easy mix with rock. That's Georgi Benjur's País Tropical. In the mid-60s, a military government takes control of Brazil, and songwriters begin to get more political. Around that time, a new term is invented, MPB. MPB, right, Musica Popular Brasileira, which begins to encompass mixtures of samba with rock and basically Brazilian popular music made in major urban centers. This is the era of the heavyweight Brazilian songwriters, Caetano Veloso, Gilberto Gil, and so on. All of them drew on samba to some degree, but none more so than Chico Buarque. This is his song, Apesar de Você. It means, in spite of you, and it was a subtle critique of Brazil's military government. Apesar de você, amanhã há 
a você Onde vai se esconder Da enorme euforia Como vai proibir Quando o galo insistir Em cantar Água nova brotando E a gente se amando Sem parar Chico Buarque, one of the legends of MPB with his samba A Pesar de Você. Going into the 80s, a different sound takes off. That's right, rock and roll. The 80s were the Rock Brazil years, right? This is musician Pedro Luiz. Rock We had rock since the 60s, but in the 80s a movement called Rock Brazil came in strong, and Brazilian music was left on the side, including samba. For the youth of the middle and upper classes, samba was all but forgotten. Here's Fred Moon. In the end of the dictatorship in 84, and 85 is the beginning of redemocratization. So anything that really had to do with that period of the 60s, 70s, and early 80s, samba symbolized a, a sort of Brazil of the past, um, and they kind of rejected it largely. It's in the 90s that samba begins to be of interest to these youths again. It's a complete rediscovery. Pedro Luis was one of the musicians that led that rediscovery. He was in a band playing poppy hockey, that's Portuguese for pop rock, and one day they decided to do something unusual. Antonio, one of our bandmates, had the idea to take apart the drum set, and we ended up making an impossible drum kit, a drummer with six arms. They divided the drum kit among three different players and put them in the front of the stage as if they were samba drummers. The result was a wall of sound. So they say, okay, well, the name of the band will be Pedro Luiz and the wall, Ia Parede. Tudo que é irei, 
Another important figure in bringing percussion back into pop music was Marcos Susanu. Susanu grew up on bands like Deep Purple and Led Zeppelin, but began to study the panderu, the tambourine used in samba. Pop and rock bands in the 90s were sometimes using the panderu, but in a, let's say, wimpy way. With Susanu, that all changed. Instead of standing in the back and playing picky-pock, picky-pock, right? A little percussion, a sort of perfume, a decoration to the pop ensemble. He comes out, and it's sort of in a macho way, to say, look, I can really kick some butt on this tambourine. Susanu developed his own technique of playing and recording the panderu to give it a huge sound that could compete with any studio drummer. And soon enough, his panderu was thumping on everybody's albums. from Marco Susano's solo album, Samba Town. Pedro Luis took the percussion revolution one step further. He started his own bloco, one of the informal percussion groups that parades in the streets during Carnival in Rio, and started holding percussion workshops. But Mono Bloku wasn't any ordinary Bloku. They played samba beats over everything, from Brazilian pop songs to Bob Marley and Stevie Wonder. And the rock and roll crowd loved it. Here is Pedro Luiz. Mono Bloco was a pop phenomenon. A lot of people came because of that, and they left interested in samba. At their first carnival, Mono Bloku, listen to this, drew out 10,000 people to march with them. Last year, half a million showed up. Fred Mohn says that these young cariocas became attracted to the samba because, in a way, it reminded them of heavy rock. What could be more heavy than a samba school, right? Than a battery of samba drums playing together. And so they took the heaviness of rock and mixed it with the heaviness of samba drumming. Let's listen a bit. This is Monobloku from a 2010 live recording. Thank you. 
da mesma agonia uh, E a cidade Que tem braços abertos no cartão postal E os punhos, com os punhos fechados pra vida real Desnega a oportunidade, mostra a fase dura do mal E aí? E aí? Alagados, a song from Brazilian rock legends Us Paralamas do Sucesso. At the same time that samba was invading the pop and rock world, a roots samba scene was stirring in Rio, in the downtown neighborhood of Lapa. Our producer Marlon Bishop picks up the story. Lapa is the name of an old neighborhood near downtown Rio, and on Friday nights, it hosts what must be the world's largest regular street party. The cobblestone streets are packed with people milling about, drinking, and flirting, and everywhere you turn, somebody's playing music. Samba tumbles out of almost every bar and club, the bands each competing for attention. It's hard to imagine, but 10 years ago, none of this was here. Okay, the buildings were still here, but there weren't any people, not anyone who wanted to be here at least. Back in the 50s, Lapa was a nightlife destination full of dance halls and cabarets. But as often happens in the life of a city, the neighborhood had fallen on hard times. In 1960, Brazil's government left Rio to build a brand new capital in the hinterlands called Brasilia. Money poured out of the city almost overnight, and many of the old neighborhoods near downtown began to crumble from neglect. Then, little by little, the music came back. Composer Pedro Moraes remembers that in the year 2000, he went to hear a singer named Teresa Cristina perform in a cafe. She was singing to a couple of tables. I mean, she was singing to almost no one. She had amazing repertoire. She had like the most beautiful repertoire. And people were thrilled because the love for the great songwriters of samba never vanished. Within a couple of years, the young alternative college kids discovered samba as like the cool in thing to do. And they started flocking around these places any day of the week. And then later on, the other kids, especially the boys, found out that, you know, that the pretty alternative girls were all hanging out at the sambas. And so they started going to the sambas and they started learning to samba themselves. 
Investors came, restaurants opened, and the words Lopper Revival were suddenly on everybody's lips. One consequence was that a lot of people got in touch with a Rio tradition they never knew, like this guy. My name is Alfredo Del Penho. Samba was always played in Rio's working-class communities. But Alfredo says that as a middle-class kid growing up in the 80s and 90s, he really didn't have much exposure to samba. When he turned on the radio, he heard American pop. New Kids on the Block, uh, Ace of Base. The samba that was on the radio was made by commercialized pogoji groups like Eo Chan, whose music didn't have much in common with the rootsy stuff being played in Lapa. So when Alfredo finally heard the real thing, it was a revelation. Suddenly I met a music or a gender that was touching me inside, that I feel that I was Samba. I am Samba. I feel like that, not in a pretentious way, oh, oh I am the Samba. No, no, not this, but I am this. Alfredo studied the classic composers from the 30s and 40s, Noel Hossa, Cartola, and so on. After a while, he came to understand that Samba composers don't just write music, and that what they do is really important on another level as well. The role of these people is to photograph the soul of people of the city and make also people think about this, uh, what's happening around me, really, because many times you don't even look to your side, you know, and composers look and see and write and say this. He's not the first person to have this thought. In samba, composers are given the same respect Americans give to the great improvisers of jazz, the Miles Davises and the John Coltrane's. There are statues and plazas of them, and they're the namesakes of schools and roads around Rio. Alfredo was listening to these composers, and he thought, hey, I want to do that too. Depois de tanto tempo, você vem pedir aquela carta que ficou. Quer brincar comigo? Deve achar que eu nasci ontem. Today at age 30, Alfredo is one of a new generation of young composers in Rio that came out of the Lapa scene and have chosen to write in the traditional samba style. But just because the arrangement is old-fashioned doesn't mean the lyrics have to be. I tell about what's happening today and in my life and this kind of thing. You can talk about your day, about politics, about people. Alfredo's songs have been recorded by some of Brazil's great singers. Let's listen to one for a moment. This is uh, uh, called Caso Encerrado. Quando morre o amor na hora errada, a dor de quem amor fica no peito. Se é de morte matada, amor que morre em vão, sem ter explicação, não há um jeito que não seja investigar. Quem foi que armou a tal cilada? Quem foi matar o amor antes do tempo? Ai, mas quem sou eu pra acusar um coração se a pena que eu cumpro é bem maior? Quando morre amor na hora errada, a dor de quem amou fica no peito. A de morte matada, amor que morre em vão, 
Sem ter explicação Não há um jeito que não seja investigar Quem foi que armou a tal cilada? Quem foi matar o amor antes do tempo? Ai, mas quem sou eu pra acusar um coração Se a pena que eu cumpro é bem maior? Mas o fim de um amor do nada É só na vida outra desilusão E quem sabe amar não vive só Sabe esperar, sabe de cor o que a vida ensinou Caso encerrado e novo amor Quando morre o amor na hora errada Quando morre o amor é o fim da estrada Quando morre o amor não dá em nada Alfredo Del Peño. Another musician who came up playing in the Lapa scene was Pedro Moraes, who we heard speaking earlier. But he actually doesn't like to call himself a samba composer. It's just that when people think samba abroad, they're thinking semi-naked girls with um, feather hats. But that doesn't mean that samba is not a part of him. He says that samba isn't just a genre of music, it's a whole universe. A universe of a way of thinking, of dancing, of moving, of... Uh, it is a very complex translation of what we've come to understand as being the Brazilian soul. And while a lot of people associate samba with its rhythm, Pedro says that for him it's all about the melodies. deep, huge, surprising curves in melodies. That is such an important part of what, for me, being a Brazilian musician is. I mean, whatever I do and whatever I write, I have the shadow of those deep feelings expressed in melodies, like, hanging over me. Tente cumprir 
Eu precisava de um motivo para um samba Quando ele quer nascer, me aparece você E é quase obrigação brotar do coração a flor Melancolia E eu, que vivia tão sozinho Os sonhos espalhados no caminho That was Samble Fe by Pedro Moraes. To find out more about the artists on this program and read dispatches from our recent trip to Brazil, well, visit afropop.org. Coming up, we speak with Samba rap innovator Marcelo G. Dois and learn about the government crackdown happening in Rio's funky karaoke scene. Plus, lots of great music. This is a special Afropop Hip Deep edition, Samba Strikes Back. I'm Georges Collinet, and you're listening to Afropop Worldwide from PRI, Public Radio International. Okay, we're back. Another pop artist who helped bring samba back into the fold in the 90s was Lenini. Here he is with percussionist Marcos Suzano on Acrediti O Nau. Susanu with Acredite Onau. So, all the music we've been playing begs the question, why did the generation of the 90s become interested in samba again anyway? I think it had a lot to do with the new democracy. Eleições 89 Na Bulgária, milhares de pessoas protestam em frente ao parlamento. Bem, terminou há pouco em São Paulo o último debate entre os dois candidatos à presidência da República. Em 1985, the dictatorship ends and Brazil holds elections for the first time in decades. But your first presidents were mired in corruption. Fernando Collor, the first directly elected president, 
basically robbed the country blind. Inflation was rampant. There was basically a, a question of national confidence amongst the, the younger generations. Then, in 1994, a new guy comes along. Fernando Henrique Cardoso. He stabilizes the economy, and Brazil begins to take its place on the world stage. There was a search for what is post-dictatorship Brazil? What is modern Brazil in a globalizing world? So in Brazil, historically, music has played a fundamental role in the definition of the Brazilian character. The musicians of this generation wanted to make Brazilian music, but at the same time, they didn't want to be restricted to it. They were both Brazilians and citizens of the world, and the music they made showed it. Here's Pedro Luiz. If somebody wants to make rock the way they do over there, fine. If somebody wants to make a hybrid rock, mixing things up with Brazilian elements, okay. I think it's your choice. You choose your truth. My truth is this mix of everything. This is Pedro's mantra. There's no right way or wrong way to be a Brazilian musician. There's just self-expression. None of this music belongs to anybody. It's the birthright of all of humanity. We've been talking today a lot about the middle-class perspective on pop music in Brazil. But in Rio's lower-income districts, a different story was unfolding. Since the late 80s, funky carioca has dominated as the party sound of the favelas. The music famously began when Brazilian DJs got a hold of 80s hip-hop instrumentals from Miami, especially the Volt Mix. For lack of a better word, Brazilians began to chant over these records and remix them live. By now, Funky's original hip-hop beat is long gone. It became replaced by the tamborizão, which has a bit of a samba sound to it. And more recently, the tamborzinho. Today, funky is a nationwide pop style, no longer confined to Rio's favelas. But if Rio's authorities have their way, it might soon disappear from its original milieu. Our producer Marlon Bishop did some underground investigating of what's happening in funky today. All right, so why don't you tell us where we're going today? Tonight we're going to Mandela, which is a favela in the Zona Norte, the north side of town. This is Greg Scruggs, a Fulbright researcher who does work on funky carioca. Greg agreed to take me to a baile de comunidade, one of the open-air favela raves that happens every Saturday night all over Rio. It's along an area known as the Faixa de Gaza, the Gaza Strip, uh, because it's historically seen a lot of uh, shootouts between different factions. My DJ friend, DJ Grazi, told me it's lotadão, it's super packed, and, but it's a bit tenso, a bit pesado, uh, a little tense, a little heavy. I'm definitely looking forward to it. 
Boa noite. Indo pra Mandela, né? On the way, a police officer with a very large gun spots us. Not used to seeing gringos in this part of town, he pulls us over and tells us to get out of the car. This isn't a tourist place, he says at first. You don't want to come here. We explain we're doing research for a radio show, and he eventually calms down and sends us on our way. Where you're going, you're going to see the Brazilian reality, he says. You're going to see marijuana, crack, guns. The baile is held in a big open space in the center of the favela. On each end, there's a giant wall of speakers, tricked out with lights and pyrotechnic flamethrowers. It's basically the loudest thing you'll ever hear in your entire life. A sonic earthquake that you can feel in your chest. The party is huge. Thousands of people show up. Here's Greg Scruggs. It's always atmosphere of exuberance and almost a sense of, of reminding the rest of the city that you know, we're still here, we still count, and on a Saturday night, uh, you know, you're going to hear us whether, whether you like it or not. I don't see the drugs that the officer warned me about, but I do see plenty of guns. Members of the local drug mafia saunter around bare-chested, their assault weapons pointed in the air. They come to show off and remind people who's in charge. After all, they do pay for the party. Can you feel the bass? For decades, the favelas in Rio have operated outside of the formal city, run as private fiefdoms by armed gangs. But soon, the world's camera crews are going to descend on Rio for the upcoming World Cup and Olympic Games, and the city is scrambling to clean up its image in preparation. Over the last few years, the police have been invading the favelas and kicking out the mafias. The process is called pacification, and unfortunately for funky fans, it means no more bailes. The police have made it very clear that these events are connected to the drug trade in their opinion and therefore cannot happen while the state has retaken control of these territories. Greg Scruggs has been researching the effect of the pacification program on Funky Carioca. He says many favela residents are happy to see the gangs go, but the crackdown on the bailes has been less popular. And it's been a point of conflict because these are one of the only opportunities for leisure and entertainment for young people in these communities who will go out every weekend in great numbers to dance and have a good time and listen to music for free, which for those who are of modest means is, uh, is a pretty big deal. In each of the 20 or so favelas that have been pacified so far, the bailes have either been stopped entirely or become mired in regulations. The way Greg sees it, it's part of a larger obsession with order happening in Rio these days. I see an event like Funky, you know, it's loud, it's outdoors, it's not regulated, it's not squaring with an image that the power elite of the city want to project to the world, thinking that Rio should somehow look more like a staid North American or European city. And unfortunately, they're not recognizing the value in uh, Rio's informality that is a lot of what makes it a fun and interesting, exciting, convenient, pleasant in many ways place to live as well. Agora eu sou 
Plenty of people will be happy to see the Bileys go. Since the beginning, funky lyrics, often dealing with drugs and sex, have made the music controversial. Veteran samba producer Palau Sechi Cordas says funk carioca has contributed nothing to Brazilian society. Nothing, 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 nothing. Funky has been good for the drug dealers. That's all. To bring people together to sell drugs. That's it. But whether Palau likes it or not, Funky is here to stay. Take it from MC Leonardo. Funky isn't just another culture in Rio. It's the principal one. Leonardo is the president of Apa Funky, a kind of political action group for funky professionals. He says the crackdown is a short-sighted move. You have a lot of talk in Rio about lifting up young people so they don't just increase the ranks of the dead or jailed. But when you go and criminalize the music a young person is listening to, you've already lost him. Back in 2009, Leonardo convinced Rio's government to pass a law officially declaring funky as part of Rio's cultural heritage. It specifically states in the law that funky is to be treated no differently than samba. It's a comparison you hear a lot. After all, both samba and funky emerged from Rio's favelas to become hugely popular in Brazil and around the world. Remember, at the beginning of the 20th century, the bourgeois turned their nose to samba, which came from the street. This is Cristiano Menezes. He's the director of Rádio Nacional, the government-owned radio station that promoted samba as national culture back in the 40s. Today, that same bourgeois turns their nose to funky. But Rio has millions of favela dwellers in this city and hundreds of bailes. And the funky pulses every day through the entire city. As a public radio station, we can't be deaf to that. Radio Nacional airs a daily live funky show hosted by MC Leonardo and sandwiched between broadcasts of Golden Age Samba. Funky's presence at the station is further proof that it's joined the canon of Brazilian music styles. It's unlikely that Rio's police will ever pacify all the favelas. But even if they stopped every last baile in Rio, it wouldn't matter. Funky Carioca wouldn't die. If the history of samba is any clue, it would just evolve and become something new.
We just heard a track from Leo Giusti, a young producer from Rio, doing innovative things with funky karaoke. You're listening to Samba Strikes Back on Afropop Worldwide. And by the way, we have a great video history lesson on funky karaoke up on our website, afropop.org. Next up, another artist inspired by funky. This is Zuzuka Poderosa, who calls her sound karaoke bass. Sandra from Zuzuka Poderosa. Although Sao Paulo has a reputation as the center of Brazil's hip-hop scene, Rio has a few talents of its own. One of them is Marcelo G. Deutsch. Marcelo was raised in Rio's North Zone, where samba traditions run strong. And one day, he had the idea to combine samba with rap. I was in the studio and I had sampled a samba school playing. And I looped it. And then he threw a hip-hop beat over it. And instead of a normal hi-hat, he used a samba shaker. A primeira vez que eu ouvi isso, eu pensei, nossa. The first time I heard it all together, I thought, whoa. Dá para fazer muita coisa aí. We can do a lot with this. No começo, in the beginning, neither the rap purists or the samba purists liked my idea, especially on the samba side. They thought it was horrible. What's this? American music with samba? Well, despite the resistance, Marcelo pushed on. For him, mixing hip-hop and samba was an obvious move. I think there's something about the The whole thing of representing the street, talking about the daily life of the streets, Samba has this, and hip-hop too, a lot. Marcelo says eventually the samba crowd came around to what he was doing. Here Samba sits on the throne. It's like rap was asking it permission to come to Brazil and interchange information. 
I think the samba crowd began to realize that it would bring young people closer. So that's a good thing, right? Vai vai trazer os jovens para mais perto, sabe? Então isso é bom, né? Let's hear a track from Marcelo G. Dois. This is meu samba e assim. My samba goes like this. Quem é que mistura o rap com samba? É, eu disse samba. E pega um DJ. Tá bom pra mim? Dois toca-discos e um tamborim A calça é larga, o boné pro lado Quatro por quatro, mais cinco ou quatro Aperta o play, aumenta o som E joga na seda, aquele do bom Num batidão, chora cuica Erros e acertos, parceiros, coisas da vida Mas quem diria, que engraçado, hein? Foi pra cadeia agora, bomba no rádio MD2 de novo, a voz do povo O tiozinho mais velho, é o moleque mais novo Trago cultura, de um jeito simples Um corpo fechado, que não aceita revide Você não sabe o que que rola, parceiro, te conto Só um tempinho pra mim, tô pronto Se eu canto rap, é que meu samba não vai parar E se eu canto samba, Fortalece a corrente, vagabundo corre atrás porque eu já tô lá na frente Meu samba é assim, luto por toda a minha gente, tá ligado? RJ tipo linha de frente Meu samba é assim, tá bom pra mim Dois toca-discos e um tamborim A calça é larga, o boné pro lado Quatro por quatro, mais cinco quatro O cadetão, rodou o mundo, assinatura E tá lá no muro, se eu quero fama, não Pergunte assim, o que é que é o samba? Meu samba é assim Samba Hip Hop Pioneer, Marcelo G. Dois. Another giant of the Rio scene is Alexander Cassin. Cassin has a reputation as a studio wizard. He's produced just about everybody in Brazil. In his own music, he mixes samba with vintage rock and soul as well as a lot of weird electronic sounds. Here is his track, Namorados. Sejamos sempre namorados Deixemos isso combinado, amor Se der certo ou errado Que sempre seja como na primeira vez Sejamos Sejamos sempre namorados Deixemos isso combinado Se der certo ou errado Por mais que o tempo passe Que sempre seja como na primeira vez Todos os planos sejam frustrados Que o rancor marque os anos Seremos vítimas de nossos enganos Se ao menos não tentarmos Sejamos Sejamos sempre namorados Deixemos isso combinado Se der certo ou errado Passe que sempre seja como na primeira vez
All right, Cassin with Namorados. Well, that's all we have time for today. To read more about our fieldwork in Brazil, as well as posts from our special summer team of bloggers in Brazil, visit afropop.org. Plus, you'll find info on all the artists we've featured on our program. And a full transcript of our interview with ethnomusicologist Fred Mong. Major support for Afropop Worldwide comes from the National Endowment for the Humanities, the New York Council for the Humanities, and the National Endowment for the Arts, which believes a great nation deserves great art, the Nathan Cummings Foundation, and PRI, public radio international affiliate stations across the country. Thanks for supporting your public radio station. Additional support for Afropop Worldwide comes from Womex, the international showcase, trade fair, and seminar for world ethnic and roots music in Cardiff, Wales, October 23rd to the 27th. More info at womex.com. Thanks to Valerie Maczak, Fred Moon, Matthew Bishop, Natasha Fink, Greg Scruggs, Pedro Moraes, Alfredo Del Peño, and Marcelo G. Deutsch for their help with this program. A big special thanks to the Brazilian Consulate of New York City. My Afropop partner is Sean Barlow. Sean produces our program for World Music Productions. Research and production for this program by Marlon Bishop. Production assistance by Elise Dietrich. Hey, and remember, you can win a free trip for two to New York City from anywhere in the continental US of A. To celebrate Afropop's 25th anniversary, I'll be there. That will be on Sunday, July 21st at Summer Stage in Central Park, featuring Craft Collective, Fatumata Diawara, Olivum Tukutsi. More info on afropop.org. Our chief audio engineer and co-producer is Michael Jones. Additional engineering by Franz Mernick, Mike Kaplan, and Michael Johnson. Banning Air edits our website, afropop.org. Our producer for new media is Sam Becker. And I'm Georges Collinet. Public Radio International.